Hello everybody and welcome to this week's official Everton podcast. I'm Darren Griffiths and down here at USM Finch Farm I'm joined by reporter, broadcaster, playwright, anything you like, John Keith. General Dog's Body. <laughs> <laughs> John, lovely to see you as always down here at USM Likewise, Finch Farm. Likewise, Darren, yeah. It's a fantastic complex, but I'm sure you're, like me, some days you, you think about Belfield and you miss Belfield. Oh, well, yes, it's a huge part of my life. I mean, I wouldn't like to count the man hours I've spent at Belfield, Darren, mm. particularly in the car park sometimes <laughs> when we couldn't get in, in the rain or sitting in cars in the car park. But, yeah, I mean, but, of course, what we must remember, when that was opened in 1966, it was state-of-the-art. Mm. That was the place to be uh, for clubs. So, yeah, it, um, but things move on, and this is a wonderful, wonderful complex, as you say. So... Were you able to just rock up to Belfield in your motor car, park in the car park and wait for Harry Catrick or whoever to come down? Yes, uh, yes. Well, with Harry, it was slightly different because um, it was done sort of more by appointment with Harry. So you'd have to wait till you were summoned. <laughs> um, and once with Billy Bingham, we were, uh, he took exception to um, a newspaper back page headline which said, Bye Bye Bingham. <laughs> And that's not surprisingly, he was a bit miffed, so we were, the gates were locked to us, so we all parked in the, um, in the street outside the gates, and a woman who lived in the end house came out with tea and donuts, and we called it the Donut Siege. <laughs> <laughs> and as the players, this is in the, in the 70s, and as the players came out, they were winding the windows down and giving us all the information, so we got more information <laughs> barred than we did going in. Uh, that, someone even thought of getting a tide on the donut siege, but it never got quite that far. But yeah, we used to go in there and um, uh, willy-nilly, really, and just wait around and uh, catch as catch can for the players coming out. And then eventually we'd go upstairs and see the manager or the coaches, you know, whatever. Harry Catrick was a little bit before my time, but he always seemed historically to be wary of the press. Do you think that was as much a fact that Bill Shankly, just the other side of Stanley Park, was so good with the media? No, I think it was Harry. I think Harry was a, he was a secretive person, Darren. He was very taciturn and um, a bit dour. Somebody said, I mean, this is only, I'm only passing over what somebody said. Somebody said he was a bit frightened of Littlewoods, the Littlewoods and John Moore's family. Mm. I don't know whether that's politic to say that, but he was, he wasn't a great friend of the media. And Everton were the last club with Harry, when Harry was manager, to let match of the day cameras in. Because Harry thought you were giving away too much information to the opposition. The more people <laughs> saw you play, I mean, this sounds ridiculous today when we've got wall-to-wall -wall football, yeah, but then it was very different. And, of course, um, he was quite scornful of Bill Shankly. You know, he's, he, like he called him the Scottish windbag, you know. <laughs> um, but they were very, very different people, mm. totally. You couldn't get more polar opposites than Harry and Bill. But what must be said, and I... When I did the book with Colin Harvey, we devoted more than one chapter to this, that Harry's record was fantastic. I mean, if you look at it on average in the league, in league placings, it was a better one than Bill Shankly's. Um, so his consistency was tremendous, Harry. Um, it's but, interesting you should say that because Harry's sort of... Harry's legend, Harry, the credit that Harry gets is very parochial, isn't it? Beyond Everton, he doesn't really get the credit he deserves. No, but I think that was down to his personality yeah. because... He wasn't an outgoing, he wasn't an extrovert in any way. He wasn't outgoing in any way. So therefore, when people come to talk of the great managers, the ones that come to mind, and Harry doesn't come to mind mm. because his personality was very subdued. But um, he was certainly a terrific manager, certainly a terrific manager. 
Um, there had to be a lot of trust then, didn't there, in those early days between yourself and the players and yourself and the manager because you had such good access. You couldn't afford to let them down, more than the thought. Well, that's right. Uh, it, it wasn't as good under Harry as it was with other managers, um, access and things like that. And I do recall a story that when he signed, when Harry signed Roy Vernon, he discovered that Roy had gone to school with Mike Ellis, who was a national newspaper reporter, and he went berserk when he found this out because he thought <laughs> this was a one-way uh, channel to information from the dressing room. And uh, oh, it, all hell was to play, you know, he, I think he got Roy in and said, you're not to pass it on to your mate, you know, and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. But So that's what it was like. But, but that was Harry. Um, that was the way he, uh, he operated. And I don't know what it was in his psyche, but... Um, and somebody made a point, when he left Everton and he went to Preston, his personality was, was different, as it was at Sheffield Wednesday, more outgoing. Mm. So whether there was something at Everton that caused him to be like that, I don't know, Darren, but mm. he was a difficult man to get to know. Put it like Has that. the press box always been where it is now at Goodison Park? Has it, has it changed locations over the years? Not since I've been going, no, and I think it was always there. Obviously smaller than it is now because yeah. it's expanded over the years, but it's always been there in my memory, yes. And that was the day when you had to phone your copy in, and I always remember seeing uh, Chris James on County Road fumbling for two bobs to make his phone call from a call box. Well, that's right, yes, indeed, yeah. And but it, that was this was a particular problem when you're doing European games then because trying to get phones booked was a nightmare, especially behind the Iron Curtain mm -hmm. when they did everything to throw obstacles in your path. Even known you, you were given a phone and you picked it up and you, and you found out that underneath they'd switched the volume control to zero. So even when they provided a phone, they were still trying the dirty tricks, you know. But yes, Chris James was a classic, you know. You'd, you'd always see him in a phone box or in a, behind a bar phone. This is coffee, Chris James, yeah. Oh, a, a legend in his own lunchtime. <laughs> Europe must have been some experience in those days, John. It was, particularly behind the Iron Curtain, the old communist regime, because you would try, first of all, to get in the country visas. So that was a problem. If you overcame that, you then had to get a number where the office could ring you because the chance of you getting a call out were not very high. But what they didn't tell us was virtually every hotel in the Eastern Bloc had their own general number, but the room number was totally different. So... <laughs> They couldn't get you. It, so, no, you had to beg, borrow and steal to get calls out. And then when you did, you were, they were listening in and they would say, you have one more minute. And if you got angry, pull a plug. So you had to say, I'm, I'm talking about your great team, whatever it was, you know, trying to butter them up to give you an extra minute or two. <laughs> I remember a colleague of mine, David Miller, who lost his rag and said, I'm an international sporter, click. And he didn't get another phone call out that trip. So, you know, you just had to be so careful. <laughs> what was Howard like when he first arrived? Oh, well, he was, um, he was a callow youth, really, wasn't mm, he? Yeah. Uh, very different from the man we got to know as a manager, but a lovely guy, a lovely, lovely guy. Um, played the organ at Sunday school. He, he, he did it in the northeast, and when he went down to Preston, did the same. Mm. A very God-fearing man. Um, and um, of course he made Everton, Everton became part of him, didn't it? And uh, just one of the great guys of all time I've ever met in football as a player. Always very welcoming to the press, mm. um, never refused an interview. Uh, just a nice guy and a terrific football man as a player and manager. One of the few, of course, I think there's eight now, is it, who have played in and managed 
title-winning teams. Yeah. There's, I think it's only eight. Uh, so he's one of those. You were very much a part of the press pack in the early 80s. You had your contacts at Everton Football Club. How close do you think Howard Kendall did come to losing his job? Oh, very well. I say very close. Um, the, the speculation was very, very close. But the Daily Express rang me and said, what is the state of play with Howard? I said, well, only the chairman really knows that. I said, can you get hold of him to do a signed piece for the Express, Philip Carter? Not then knighted, he was then Philip Carr. I said, well, I'll try. So I rang Philip Carr. I had a good relationship with him, actually. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, would you do, if I'd spoke to you and wrote it and then read it to you, from what you tell me, would you? He said, yes, certainly. So I said, right. So I, I had a long way. He said, there is no question whatsoever of Howard Kendall being sacked. He has a vote of confidence that means a vote of confidence. And this went in the paper. And Howard told me later, when he picked the paper up that morning, he threw it in the air in joy because he mm. knew that he was going to be okay. Yeah. Stuff of legend, though, isn't it? It is the stuff of legend, Darren. Yeah, and I was purely, it was pure luck that it was me that probably rang Philip Carter and not another newspaper. But mm. So he had that exclusive the following day. Uh, so obviously he wasn't that close um, to losing his job, although it's gone down in urban myth he was, that mm. this game and that game, the Stoke FA Cup game is said to. Yeah. But yeah. they were great turning points, and the Oxford back pass, of yeah. course. Kevin Brock. Kevin Brock, yeah. Um, and Everton scored one of the golden goals of their history, really, I suppose, mm. certainly for Howard. But obviously, he wasn't. They still had faith in Howard, Darren. You know, the majority of the boys from the '85 team seemed approachable guys and still are. But suppose the golden ticket was an interview with Mr. Van den Howe, and not many <laughs> of you got one, did you? Chris James got one. Chris James got a ticket, a, a golden ticket, as you say. Um, I think it was the only interview anyone ever got. <laughs> and uh, Chris should have got the Journalist of the Year award for that. <laughs> I don't know quite the circumstances. I was told it was in, strangely enough, in a hotel near a bar, would it be? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't possibly doubt yeah. it. Uh, but it was about four paragraphs, that's all. Right. But it was an interview with yeah. Pat Van Howe. Yeah. We're actually sitting in the media theatre here at uh, USM Finch Farm, and the, the, the world of football media, you've seen it right through the ages. It's, I have, yeah. It's, it's unrecognisable. Oh, totally, totally. Um, somebody coming in, as I did in the very early 60s, into journalism and coming in now would think they're in an alien world. It's just so different, totally, utterly different. You name a factor and it's changed beyond yeah. recognition. Every single thing has changed. What hasn't changed, I suggest, is personal relationships. Despite all the, a lot of it is stage managed now. Mm -hmm. The media stage managed, the, the players are staged. But Sometimes you develop a friendship or a relationship, and those things do override everything. But yes, it's just totally changed. And of course, I think what changed it all was the remarkable coincidence of the Premier League's formation and satellite television being discovered. <laughs> um, and the two just made for each other, mm. and the world's changed. Absolutely. You're still at Goodison for every home game, John? Virtually every one, yes, Darren, yes. I'm delighted to be so as well. Who are you broadcasting for these days? RTE, Radio Televisera, and I'm their Merseyside correspondent. Uh, in my 21st year with them, lovely people to work for, um, and um, I enjoy it immensely, enjoy it immensely. And there's always a project ongoing for you, isn't there? You like to keep yourself busy with uh, yeah. both Everton and Liverpool. Yes. Well, we do stage shows, as you know, mm. but our current big one 
is uh, a, um, we're doing a documentary about the great William Ralph Dixie Dean mm. because this May is the 90th anniversary of his amazing 60 league goals which there are very few sporting records which you can say will last forever. Yeah. They're going every week, aren't they? That one will last forever. Absolutely. It was unbelievable. And to finish knowing you need to score a hat-trick against mm. Arsenal, and he did it, was just incredible. So we've been shooting since late summer, and we're here today doing some more. Today we're doing Jimmy Martin, the kit manager, because we have a pair of boots, the same type Dixie wore. Right. to contrast with the ones players wear today. And again, we're talking about changes. No comparison. They look, mm. they look, they look as if they're there for different jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're slippers now, aren't they? Slippers with studs, yeah. aren't they? Exactly, yes. Make sure Jimmy gives you the boots back, by the way. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could talk for hours, John, but we've run out of time. Thoroughly enjoyed your company, as always. Thanks for joining Great us. Great pleasure, Darren. Thank it's you. It's been the official Everton podcast with me, Darren Griffiths, and a wonderful guest this week, John Keith. <laughs>